Jeremiah 15, 5 to 9. Indeed, you have pity on you. Who will have pity on you, O Jerusalem? Or who will mourn for you? Or who will turn aside to ask about your welfare? You who have forsaken me, declares the Lord. You keep going backward, so I will stretch out my hand against you and will destroy you. I am tired of relenting. I will winnow them with a winnowing fork. And at the gate of, gates of the land I will bereave them of their children. I will destroy my people. They did not repent of their ways. Their widows will be more numerous before me than the sand of the seas. I will bring against them, against the mother of a young man, a destroyer at noonday. I will suddenly bring down her anguish in dismay. She who bore seven sons pines away. Her breathing is labored. The sun has set while it was yet day. She has been shamed and humiliated. So I will give her over... I will give over the survivors to the sword before the enemies, declares the Lord. Okay, there's not going to be anybody to mourn or grieve for Jerusalem's downfall. Downfall. Nobody would want to. Nobody's going to be there to do that. They've forsaken me. They kept going backward. So God is going to wipe them out. He's tired of, uh, of relenting. It's time to destroy them. Uh, he's going to, uh, with a pitchfork, so to speak, uh, you know, toss them out. Um, and uh, their widows will be more numerous before me than the sands of the sea. I remember something about uh, the nation of Israel and the sands of the sea. What do you remember about that? They were greater. Yeah, God told who? <coughs> Abraham that his descendants would be as many as the sands of the sea. Well, God's doing a takeoff on that. Now what's going to be as many as the sands of the sea? Their widows. Hmm. Their widows are as many as the sand of the sea. What does that imply? Lots of dead soldiers. You know, it's kind of an ironic reversal of the Abraham promise. You know, now it's your widows are as numerous as the sand of the sea. There's been so many killed in battle that every house is populated by a mourning mother or by a widow. Uh, so it's, it's, you know, disastrous. This is just, uh, you know, dramatic ways of showing them how bad life's going to be for them. Comments and questions? All right. Um, well, we, we kind of shift topics here. You know, I mean... Think about how it is for Jeremiah prophesying all of these gloom and doom kinds of things. Not only from the standpoint that, you know, Jeremiah doesn't like, you know, saying these horrible things because he loves his people. Think about how people are going to react to Jeremiah. So 10 to 14. Woe to me, my mother, that you have borne me as a man of strife and a man of contention to all the land. I have not lent, nor have men lent money to me, yet everyone curses me. The Lord said, Surely I will set you free for purposes of good. Surely I will cause the enemy to make supplication for you. In a time of disaster, in a time of distress, can anyone smash iron, iron from the north or bronze? Your wealth or in your treasures, I will give your booty without cost, even for all your sins and within all your borders. Then I will cause your enemies to bring it into the land you do not know. For a fire has been kindled in my anger. It will burn upon you. How is Jeremiah feeling? Oppressed. Woe is me. 
You know, it's just terrible. Woe to me, my mother, that you born me. Why did I even get, get, get you know, why did my mother give birth to me? You know, a man of strife, a man of contention, all that. I mean, I'm the guy that everybody's, you know, fighting. You know, I'm just this lightning rod for strife and criticism. And, and think about why. He said, I haven't lent. Nor have any men lent money to me. I mean, <laughs> if you start borrowing stuff, look for a fight. If you start lending stuff, look for a fight. Why? What happens when you borrow things? People want it back. People want it back. And they want it back how? Interesting. Same condition. Now, same condition, yeah. I'll tell you what, you borrow enough stuff, you're going to make enemies. Because something's not going to come back in the same condition they got it. You know, they're not going to think it is. You're not going to give it back the time they thought you should. You start lending things. Look for enemies. Because you're going to be upset because they didn't blah, blah, blah. He said, it wasn't because of that. You know, I haven't done anything that should have made people turn against me, yet everybody curses me. Why was it that they all turned against Jeremiah? He proclaimed destruction. Exactly. You know, he wishes he'd never been born with this mission of having to proclaim God's message to the nation. You know, he's kind of questioning God's purpose in his life. Why was I ever born to be this guy that everybody hates? Because I'm preaching this message nobody wants to hear. That's the only reason. And the Lord says, well, I'm going to make it to where your enemies actually will come to you in time of distress and seek you. In the long run, they're going to see you're the one that's got the answers. Uh, but it's really hard on Jeremiah. Anybody like to be rejected? You know, it's hard to teach the truth and people turn against you and reject you. And so many times we won't teach it or we won't teach the truth exactly because we don't want people upset with us. Jeremiah, he just had to keep preaching this message of doom and gloom that nobody liked and it was really hard for him. It is hard for him. But the fact of the matter is, the judgment is coming. Can anyone smash iron? I know of. Yeah, any of you want to be a volunteer to smash iron? Bare hands? You know, I, that, you know my, my fist scares even me, but... but <laughs> uh, <laughs> why'd you laugh? Um, but, but, you know, I mean, you can't break iron with your fist. So nobody is going to be able to resist this powerful nation from the north that's coming down to destroy them. Your wealth and your treasures I will give for booty, even for all your sins. I will cause your enemies to bring it into a land you do not know. You know, you are going to be destroyed and Jeremiah's message is going to be vindicated. What he keeps <coughs> preaching is going to happen and you're not going to be able to stop it. You think you can stop the enemy from the north? Try smashing iron. See how that works for you. Thomas. So from verse 12, the iron from the north isn't like there's some iron, good iron from the north. It's just the prophecy. Yeah, it's just the nation that's coming against them is as hard to smash as iron. It's unsmashable and uh, there's no hope for you. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's kind of like, uh, remember Blitzkrieg? You know, uh, 
Hitler's, uh, you know, he's kind of like, you know, bulldoze the whole nation over before they know what's hit them. You can't stop it. Well, that's the idea. Babylon was unstoppable because God was behind what they were doing. All right. Now, think about Jeremiah. I'll tell you, some of the most interesting sections is this next whole section. Uh, you know, how Jeremiah was feeling. I want you to get it, feel what Jeremiah is feeling right here. And, and understand what it would be like to be a Jeremiah. Anybody want to be a prophet of God? Wouldn't that be great? You know, sign me up. Well, you might change your mind after this section, 15 to 18. <laughs> o Lord, you know, remember me and visit me, and take vengeance for me on my persecutors, and your enduring patience do not take me away. Know that for your sake I have suffered rebuke. Your words were found, and I ate them, and your word was to me the joy and rejoicing of my heart. For I am called by your name, O Lord of God, or O Lord God of hosts. I did not sit in the assembly of the mockers, nor did I rejoice. I sat alone because of your hand. For you have filled me with indignation. Why is my pain perpetual and my wound incurable, which refuses to be healed? Will you surely be with me, be to me like an unreliable stream, as waters that fail? Okay. Did you see the focus in these four verses? What set of words does Jeremiah keep using? Little words. I... I, me, my. From 15 to 18, how many I's, me's, and my's do you find? You want to count them? One, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, I found them all. How many did you come up with? 15. I think there's 16. 16. Yeah, I think there's 16. I's, me's, or mine from 15 to 18. So how's Jeremiah feeling? Self-focused. Yeah, we would call that even, there's a little more precise word, he's feeling... Selfish. Sorry for himself. Yeah, feeling a lot of self-pity. You know, I mean, wow, he is going through so much all because of God. He's got God's word inside of him. He ate the words of God, and actually the words of God are really, you know, they're tasty. You know, who doesn't like to eat the words of God except when then you've got to speak them back out, and they're really not pleasant. So what's life like for Jeremiah in verse 17? He said no rejoice, no rejoicing. No rejoicing. Lonely. Lonely. What happens to Jeremiah? <laughs> Go to a party and nobody will hang out with Jeremiah. Jeremiah is this social leper over there in the corner. Everybody treating him, you know, like he's got the plague. While they're all having fun, they exclude him. How do you like? You ever gone to a place... And everybody's having a lot of fun, and you're just over in the corner, and nobody even speaks to you. You ever felt like that? Have you ever done that? How does that feel? It stinks. It stinks. It's awkward. It's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. 
I remember, I was very, most of us are probably, even now, but as a teenager, I was really awkward. And it was really hard for me to be in social settings. But, you know, I remember going to a gathering of young Christians one time. I stayed about 15 minutes. Nobody talked to me. I told my parents to take me home. It's not that I didn't want to be around them, it's just that it felt so uncomfortable. Just to kind of be there and nobody even notices you, nobody asks you to do anything with them. You just feel like, man, I don't belong there. Can you imagine Jeremiah everywhere he goes? Nobody talks to him, nobody wants to be around him. They're all having fun, and he's up, you know, on the other side. He says, because of your hand upon me, I sat alone. You filled me with indignation. God, it's your fault. I wouldn't be going through this if it wasn't for you. Is that true? In a way. Yeah, more or less it is. He says, why has my pain been perpetual? My wound incurable is to be healed. Will you be to me like a deceptive stream with water that's unreliable? You remember those wadis? Those, those streams in Israel that in the spring with the melting snow and the heavy rains, they'd be a raging torrent. When it gets really dry and hot in late summer, and you're looking for some refreshing water, you come to the stream and it's all dried up. You say, God, just when I need you, your water's all dried up and you're not there for me. Can you see why Jeremiah felt that way? Was it right for him to feel that way? What would you say if you were God? Here's your problem. Has Jeremiah preached the word God gave him? Has it caused him a lot of pain and grief? Yeah. He's, he's saying, God, look, it's just more than I can bear. I'm, I'm always by myself. Nobody will speak to me. It's all because of what you caused me to have to preach. If you're the Lord, what do you say to Jeremiah now? What would you say in a case like that if you were God? Not your comfort that you're worried about. Now you know how I feel. Just a little bit high. You know, here's what I would say. Jeremiah, I know it's really tough. You know, I really appreciate the fact that you've, you know, you've preached it. And I'm really sorry that you're going through so much. Just hang in there. But I'll try to get you some friends. And, uh, you know, but, 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 you know, I mean... It's, it's just, it really is hard. Well, that's what I just said. You all would have been right. Therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will restore you. Before me, you will stand. If you extract the precious from the worthless, you will become my spokesman. They, for their part, may turn to you, but as for you, you must not turn to them. Then I will make you to this people a fortified wall of bronze, and though they fight against you, they will not prevail over you, for I am with you to save you and deliver you to the of the Lord. So I will deliver you from the hand of the wicked, and I will redeem you from the grasp of the violent. God doesn't comfort Jeremiah. He challenges Jeremiah. The relationship between God and Jeremiah is considerably frayed at the moment. And he says, if you return... In other words, what's he calling on Jeremiah to do? Can you get closer to God? Yeah. <laughs> what would we say instead of return if you... Repent. Repent? Jeremiah, if you repent, 
then I'll restore you. If you repent, you'll be my spokesman. What's that saying? It's an honor. Yeah, but if you repent, you'll be my spokesman. It's something to repent of. Yes, and if you repent, I'll make you my spokesman. Haven't already done that? Hadn't Jeremiah already been God's spokesman? Isn't that what this idea of being a prophet was all about? Not that he doesn't have the right attitude. So what had God done? He had dispokesman him. <laughs> God had kicked him out. God had said, okay, no more being my prophet. Now if you'll repent, and if you'll get yourself back together again, then you'll become my spokesman. God will not put up with Jeremiah's rebellious self-pity. Now you can understand why Jeremiah felt that way. But God is not going to coddle him. His work is not about his own happiness. It's about his faithfulness to God. You know, Jeremiah needs to toughen up. In fact, he says, then... I'll make you a fortified wall of bronze and all that. That's what God told him back in chapter 1. God repeats the very same thing he said back in chapter 1. If you'll just do what I say, you'll, I'll, I'll make you tough enough to handle it. But Jeremiah needs to stay away from the, their bad influence on him. You know, don't you turn to them. They need to be turning to you. I just think it's interesting that God does not baby Jeremiah. You know, God says, Jeremiah, repent! Then you can start working for me again. So we're like all whining, man, you just don't know how hard it is. It's just so hard. I just am suffering so much. Have you ever thought about what it would be like on the Day of Judgment to meet the Apostle Paul by chance? And say, oh, you just don't know how hard I had it. <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, really? How many times were you put in jail? <laughs> how many times they beat you? You know, how was your stoning? How about those shipwrecks? Uh, you know. How many days and nights did you spend underwater? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, wow. I mean, wouldn't you be embarrassed even to say that you'd suffered anything if you were talking to the Apostle Paul. <laughs> you know, we have gone through nothing for the Lord, and we're all whiny and like, man, I don't know if I can do this. You just don't know how hard it is for me. There's a time that we just need to allow ourselves to be challenged by God and to say, all right, I just need to step up and do the right thing. God is with me to deliver me if I'll serve him. When our faith is tried and we're going through difficult times, what do we need? We need to go right back to the Word. Right like he did in 20 and 21. <clears throat> right back to what he said in chapter 1. He'd already given Jeremiah the tools he needed to stay firm and faithful. So God just renews his call to him and says, here's what you need. Make sense? And I'll tell you where this is going. You know, again, if you were God and uh, you see your 
prophet really going through challenges and struggles. And his basic challenge he just expressed to you is how alone he feels. How isolated. You know, how much of an outcast he feels like. Would you maybe say, well, I'll get you somebody to be your best friend. You know, I'll maybe, I'll get you a good wife. That might help. You know, I'll send you to some social gatherings where people will accept you. Well, you know, in the next chapter, the very next thing God says to Jeremiah, you are never to get married, <laughs> and I won't allow you to go to any parties or any funerals. So what's that going to do for Jeremiah's social isolation? Yeah, I mean, my dad, I've said this before, but he had this plaque in his den the whole time I can remember going, growing up. They said, cheer up, things could get worse. So I did, and sure enough, things got worse. <laughs> you know, some of the problem we have when we get so whiny and feel so sorry for ourselves is what's going to happen when we actually go through something hard? You know, Jeremiah thought he had it bad. Wait till he hears the next orders from God. <laughs> you know, he thought he was alone now. Would you ever think about this? God's in control of our circumstances. Could it be that what to me is hard right now is designed by God to toughen me up enough that I can take the next thing that's going to be even harder? And if I'm all at the end of my rope right now, What's going to happen when he actually brings some real suffering into my life? Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe God knows that I've got to have a little bit of uh, extra practice dealing with hard things before he really sends me the true hard thing that I've got to face. I think, I think Jeremiah is just a good rebuke for us. Don't you appreciate the fact that you get in Jeremiah a really good open look at the heart of the prophet? And you realize the challenges he goes through. Jeremiah turns out to be a very fine, faithful prophet. And he does do a lot of great things, but he went through his challenges and his struggles getting there. And he had his moments where he was ready to throw up his hands in dismay and give up. Heather. Well, and even though he, he did repent, that didn't mean that his circumstances got better. Exactly. So he still had to do the right thing. And I think you're right, it did it made him more able to cope with that, but just repenting did not change. Yeah, and we shouldn't think it automatically will. Yes. And we really need to have more of a toughness to endure isolation. I think that's a challenge for us. I mean, who knows when it's going to get to the point where we're there's so little willingness on the part of people to serve the Lord that we find virtually nobody to worship with. You know, can you imagine you may be in a time there's almost nobody. You know, in the whole country of Portugal, for what we know, there is a husband and wife there is a lady who's about 40 and her mother who's very sick and there's another man who was converted a year or two ago. 
Those are the Christians that we know about in the country of Portugal. They don't know of anybody else who's serving the Lord faithfully. Once a year, two or three Americans go over and spend about eight or nine days doing full-time Bible studies, almost like being at a camp. And that's who they see of Christians throughout the year, except for each other. What would you do if you were in that situation? Would you stay faithful to God if you're a lady and the other Christians you know that you see is your mom, another couple, and another new convert guy? That's the ones. You just keep going? You keep serving God? When you're surrounded by people that aren't serving the Lord faithfully? What if it got like that in your town? What if it got like that in the whole country of the U.S.? There were just five left. Would you be one of the five? Or would you say, man, I can't handle this. If there's not more people that I can really be close to, that I can serve the Lord with, I, there's no way. I can't, I can't do this. We may be in situations where if we're going to really stand for what's right, we may be a lot more isolated than we are right now. So we just have to commit ourselves. We're going to keep teaching what's right. We're going to keep standing for what's right. We're going to keep doing what's right. And if there's a lot, if there's almost nobody, it was not a good time in Judah. <laughs> I mean, God sent him to captivity because there wasn't anything left. There wasn't anybody he could, he could start with. You know, I mean, Jeremiah, <laughs> but there's not much else. And so Jeremiah really was alone, and it really was hard. And he really did have to, well, God blessed him by toughening him up. He made him like a fortified wall of bronze. And that's about what he had to be. To fight against this social pressure to give in and fit in. Thoughts and comments? You, you all need to leave, I think, so we'll let you do that. But good to see you. Chapter 16, let's see uh, these things that the Lord